Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. That was a crowd of kids running out of here just now. That was, that was good. That's awesome. Thank the Lord for that. Before I get going, uh, don't start the time clock just yet. Uh, Jared and Mandy uh, handed me this card for y'all. I'm going to hang it on the bulletin. You can read it later. It's a thank you card for the uh, generous gifts over there for their wedding uh, and their celebration of marriage. And we, we love y'all and we appreciate y'all. So we're glad y'all were able to get uh, to that point in life and continue on together in Christ. So here's the card. Uh, you can read it for yourself. It's only, it says a couple things on there. But, uh, I'm going to hang it on the bulletin or somebody can remind me to hang it on the bulletin. We're in chapter 7 now of Matthew this morning, <laughs> and uh, while we're looking in our Bibles to chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, if you're, if you're reading ahead, you already know what we're going to talk about this morning, hopefully. While you're doing that, I'll read this story to you. There was a woman who was waiting in an airport one night with several long hours before her flight, she hunted for a book in the airport uh, store and bought a bag of cookies and found a place to sit down. She was engrossed in this book, but happened to see that a man beside her, as bold as he could be, grabbed a cookie or two from the bag between them, which she tried to ignore to avoid a scene. She read, uh, she read munched cookies and watched the clock as the gutsy cookie thief diminished her stock she was getting more irritated by the minute and thinking it wasn't nice so if it wasn't excuse me if I wasn't so nice I'd blacken his eyes what she thought to herself I mean the man taking her cookies for crying out loud <laughs> so with with each cookie she took he took one too when only one was left she wondered what he'd do with a smile on his face and a nervous laugh he took the last cookie and broke it in half. <laughs> he offered her half, and he ate the other. She snatched it from him and thought, Oh, brother, this guy has some nerve, and he's also rude. Why, he didn't even show any gratitude. She had never uh, known when uh, she, ha she, had nev she had known when she had been so galled and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed for the gate, refused to look back at the thieving ingrate. She, this is what's going on in her mind. She, she boarded the plane and sank in her seat. She sought her book, which was almost complete. As she reached in her bag, she gasped with surprise. There was her bag of cookies in front of her eyes. <laughs> If mine are here, she moaned with despair, then the others were his, and he tried to share. Too late to apologize, she realized with grief that she was the rude one, the ungrateful and ingrate thief. Mm. All over a bag of cookies. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you something. Depending on the kind of cookies, it's kind of hard to share, you know. <laughs> so we're going to read Jesus giving some instructions now. We, we just talked last week uh, about what Jesus taught about uh, 
really about you of little faith, remember? And it was all about how we worry when we shouldn't worry, right? And how worry can become a sinful thing. And it really is a trust issue between us and God when we let worry set in. That's what last week was about. Jesus kind of changes gears a little bit. It's all one thought. The entire uh, lesson that he was teaching on the side of the mountain was really all one statement about the, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And here are the here's what the people of God are like. Right in the kingdom of God. These, this is how we act. This is who we are because of God, because that Jesus is the Christ, right? So this is what he's teaching. And he says the first verse, and let me put it up here so y'all can, I know y'all are looking in your Bibles, but I did all this work on the PowerPoint, so I'm at least going to show it to you. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of the sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then t turn and tear you to pieces. So this is our, our focus this morning on this part of Jesus and his teaching. We're going to try to break it down a bit. It seems like a lot, but it's really not a lot. Jesus is saying, here's, the, here's what I want you to know. And here's my illustration. And here's what it looks like if you ignore my instructions, basically. No, the sermon's not over. You're like, oh, good, he's done. <laughs> no, not done yet. This is one of, this, at least verse 1 and 2 of chapter 7, I believe, and many others would, might agree with me, is one of the most quoted scriptures of all of the Bible. Right? I'm not talking about just believers quoting scripture. I'm talking about People all over the world, believers or not, quote this part of Scripture. Why do you suppose that is? Nobody wants to be judged, right? It's a defense mechanism that people have used this verse to defend themselves when someone else seems to be judging them or maybe is, in fact, judging them, right? So a lot of y'all are sitting here like, well, we got food in the fridge and we're getting ready to cook turkey. So what does this all have to do with Thanksgiving? Not really anything, but if you need it to go to Thanksgiving, let's talk about Thanksgiving for a quick second, right? When we get together on Thanksgiving, many times it's with family or friends, sometimes with nobody, right? But the idea of Thanksgiving is to gather with friends and family and talk about the things that we're thankful for and enjoy one another's company and be blessed by one another. Right? And eat a bunch of food, watch football, and take a nap. That's what happens. And if you're an outdoors guy, you might go hunting for the whole day and come back. Whatever it is that you do on Thanksgiving, that's your tradition, isn't it? And it's supposed to be with people that you love. However, the reality is what? For many people. I think I saw this. Where did I see this? I read it somewhere. Oh, I saw it on Fox News. 
right? Don't get mad at me if you don't watch Fox News. I just happened to see it. I wasn't even watching it. I just happened to see it. it they said, that a, a research says that people can only tolerate their family members for 3.5 hours at a time. After 3.5 hours, they got to get away from them. It doesn't mean they don't love them. They just can only be with them, right, for 3.5 hours. So, y'all, when you get Thursday, when you get with your family, set the timer and see what happens. Just set the timer and see what happens. See if everything breaks loose about three and a half hours. Isn't that crazy? It's like we spend all this energy and this time to go running across the country back and forth to be with our friends and families but we, who we can only put up with for three and a half hours. And some of y'all are like, no, nah, I love my family. We don't have those kind of problems. Right? Because there, there was a person in that discussion that I watched, and she was like, no, I love, I love my family. We get along all the time. We don't ever have problems. And I told, I told my wife, I said, well, she's probably the one everybody gets tired of then. <laughs> If she don't recognize that something's happening, it's not that we don't love each other. It's just we can only be together without pushing buttons for so long. What does this have to do with what Jesus is talking about? Well, let's think about our society and think about the world that we live in. And we think about how we live in this world and how we interact with one another, whether we know each other or whether we don't. There's one, there's something, there's many things that every, a lot of people, everybody has, but one of those things that everybody has is an opinion. We all have opinions, don't we? Say yes. <laughs> Participation part. We all have opinions, and our opinions are based on what we think or feel about whatever it is we perceive or, or take in from the world. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? Okay, so we can look at situations and we can say, here's what I think about that. Or here's how I feel about that. And who's to say that you're wrong? Anybody else can say that you're wrong, can't they? They can have an opinion about your opinion. They can form a judgment based on their evaluation. Hello? So, so Jesus is saying, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. The reason why we have families in this world that have conflict, can't even make it to the one hour mark, let alone the three and a half hour mark, is because we judge each other. Isn't that true? We get offended because somebody else's opinion. We get offended because someone else's thought or their attitude. You know, you know which, some of y'all have family members, you, they don't even have to say nothing. You already know what they think because of the way they're looking at you. It's like, oh, why'd you look at me like that? Right? <laughs> right? We, can judge, we can judge each other without even saying words, can't we? At, if anybody who's married ought to, know, ought to say yes, that's true. Amen me three times right there. Because I've, I've gotten a look from my wife, and I already know what she's thinking. I already know. And I know I've given her a look in the past and she should already know what I'm thinking but somehow it doesn't work the other way maybe I'm not doing it right <laughs> right so it's kind of like what is Jesus talking about I mean, there, let, me, let me give you this let's break it down to this there's one thing that Jesus is not saying he's, he's not saying don't, do, don't judge in this way but he is saying don't judge in this way there's two, dif two different ideas and two different approaches to what the definition of judge to judge is one is to simply discern or, or make a judgment about something 
for the purpose of making decisions, right? So if you're going to come to a sidewalk and, you, and you're at a busy intersection, you're going to make a judgment on whether or not you should cross the street in any given moment. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? That's a proper use of the word. We're going to look around, we're going to gather information, and we're going to use whatever intellect we have and logic, hopefully, to say to ourselves, now's a good time to cross the street. Or maybe I shouldn't cross right at this moment because I don't feel like being roadkill. Right? That you're making a judgment about your action that you're about to take or not take. You're discerning something based on the information you've gathered. And the other uh, form of judgment is to place condemnation on or criticize. Which one do you think Jesus is talking about? A or B? B. See, we already know the answer, don't we? We, we don't even have to, we don't have to have some big long Bible study about what does Jesus mean. However, when people take the scripture and say, well, Jesus says don't judge. You're not to judge me. Who are you to say something about me? Right? Well, we're saying we want to not be guilty of judging people. So we pick A for ourselves, but then we pick B for everybody else. Or the way around, right? Jesus is simply pointing out something that the, the religious leaders already taught. They, had, they already taught, they would say, he who sits, he who judges his neighbor favorably will, judge, will be judged favorably by God. That's what they would teach. Doesn't that seem like it agrees with what Jesus is saying? I think yes. I think Jesus is saying that if you, you'll be uh, judged by the measure that you judge others. And let's keep in mind that Jesus is, is using the word judge as to place condemnation on or criticize other people because that's what the religious leaders were doing, weren't they? Talking about the ones who are walking around saying, we got it all together. We know how to do it, so we need to teach you how to do it. In fact, you can't do it like we do it, so we're better than you. That's basically the attitude that they had, right? There was the, there was the religious leaders and there was those people. Isn't that a judgmental kind of statement? Isn't that a condemning kind of statement? That's, that's what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, look, he's, he's throwing their teaching at them, and he's saying, don't do what you say not to do. In other words, listen to your own words. There were six great works which bought man credit in this world and profit in the world to come according to the religious leaders of this, time, of this day. Right here they are. The, one, the first one was study. They said, if you study, you will gain favor in this world and you will gain favor, favor in the life to come. The second one was visiting the sick. The third one was hospitality. The fourth one was devotion in prayer. And then the fifth one was educate, the education of children according to the law, in the law. In other words, teaching their children God's law. Those five things would bring man credit in the world and profit a man in the world to come. And then number six was thinking the best of others, which has everything to do with their teaching of not judging other people. In fact, it was, so, it was taught so much that the, the Jewish community, they were, they were like so tolerant of each other, right, that you were automatically failing in your relationship with God if you had a bad thought against someone else. Does that, you think that works in the kingdom of God? Do you think that's what Jesus died for? Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to live under that. 
that we wouldn't have to earn anything or even try to earn anything as if it were possible. So, so Jesus is here, he's saying, do not judge, do not condemn others, or you too will be condemned. For it, I'm, I'm changing the word judge to condemn because that's what Jesus is meaning when he's using the word judge. And he says, for the same way you do that, you will be judged. And it's the same measure. Think about it. How often do we look at the world, and I mean we as the body of Christ, the entire church, the Christian world, the Christians, the believers, how often do the believers go into the world and say, oh, look at those people, they're sinning. I don't want, I'm not gonna, I don't want to be like those people. We even teach our children, don't grow up and be like those people. That's what Jesus is saying to us, to the believers, to the world. There's three reasons why no man should judge in a condemning or uh, in a way that is criticizing or tearing another person down. Accusing, accusational. Only Satan accuses. You agree with that? Guilt and, and accusations come from Satan. God will convict. He will point out what's wrong so that it can be made right. And you see the difference? So that's why this, this type of judging, Jesus is saying don't do. So here's three reasons why no man should ever judge another person. One, we never know the whole fact or all the facts. And we don't know the person. We don't know, you don't know everything about me and I don't know everything about you. The worst thing in the world when it comes to this problem in society is the internet. Wouldn't you agree? How many times do we get information off of the internet and then come to conclusions about what should be done or how it should be handled or who's in the wrong or who's in the right? All you have to do is watch any sporting event to find out how bad this situation is in society. Because every time, there's, there's, there's these authority figures in sports, they're called referees and umpires <laughs> and judges sometimes. Well, they get, they get trained and paid to do something in those sport, sporting activities, don't they? They get trained to make judgment calls. They get trained to make sure the rules are being adhered to. Well, guess who sits at their house watching their big screen, questioning everything those guys do? Raise your hand. I'm guilty, too. I'm like, dude, you just missed a call right there, right? I'm, I'm, making, I'm putting myself in a position of authority that I don't have when I do that. That's just a silly illustration, but do we do that in life? I think we do. I think a lot of times we live our lives and we see the world and the people in it, and, and even the believers, and we see what we see, and we can't get past that to see what God sees. Because if the world looked at me and only saw sinful me it would be a horrible place for me to live because no one would like me no one would care for me no one would want to be around me if that's all they ever saw if God only saw my sin how bad would that be right so we have to we have to gather the facts we have to 
say to ourselves, you know what, I see that situation and here's what I think about it, but I don't know everything. I don't know why that person's in that sin. I don't know why that person's being the way they are. I don't have no idea how they, what their life is about. So how can I come to a condemning conclusion about their life? How can I say to them or to myself or to anybody else that that person is a bad person and deserves something or not? See, see, see what I'm saying? And, and then we have to learn. Once we learn about people, once we get involved with people's lives, then we might understand, oh, well, it makes sense how they got down this way. Right? Because I'd be doing that too if I had been through what they've been through. doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. We need to stop putting ourselves in, in a place where we decide what's right and wrong in this world. Guess who gets to decide? Guess who's already said? God. You can say it. I know you know it. You can say it out loud. Here's, what, here's number two reason. It's almost impossible for any man to be impartial in his judgment. Believe that? Right? It's almost impossible for any of us to sit back and be impartial, meaning I'm not going to show favor to one side or the other of any situation. Why is that? Because we all have opinions. We all have feelings. Right? Some of us can tolerate some things and some of us can tolerate other things and some of the things that somebody else can tolerate I might not be able to tolerate somebody else's what I consider bad deeds might be not so bad in someone else's eyes see the only the only one who can judge is the one who's perfect right the only one that who can accurately judge fairly is the one who's perfect right and it's not you and it's not me. And it's, it wasn't the men and the women that were hearing this message that we're reading about. And the third thing is no man is good enough to judge any other man. <laughs> right? Who in this room, I'm going to say it the way Jesus did. Who in this room can cast the first stone? Anybody? Nobody. Nobody can, nobody can accuse anybody of being Guilty of anything because we're all guilty of something. Because I can pretty well assure you that as much as we're judging someone else, there's someone else in this world judging you. So, this is what we have read in the first two verses. He didn't say, don't judge. He's saying, don't bring condemnation. You're not, you don't have that authority. You're, you're, not, you're just as guilty as everybody else, and you're not impartial. You have no way of doing it, so just don't even try it. It's not your place. That's what he's saying. He's not saying don't go and assess situations. He's not, going, he's not saying go, don't look at your brother in Christ or your sister in Christ and make a, a judgment about what maybe you can do for them in their life or how you can help them, right? Because the Bible's telling us all the time. We, we just studied in Galatians chapter 6. And again, we're going to look at it in, in one day in Matthew chapter 18. It says, if your brother is in sin, lovingly go and help him or her. Which means you have to make a, an assessment, a discernment, a judgment about their behavior according to what Scripture says. It doesn't say if you think your brother is a jerk, go correct that. It, it says if the Bible says that person is in sin, you should love that person enough to gently... Help them. 
That's, that's, that's making a judgment. You have to know who you're dealing with in life. When we're making disciples, how are we going to know if people aren't saved if we don't make some kind of judgment about the situation? See the difference. So it's not saying don't judge. It's not telling us don't ever judge. It's saying use the word judge in our language in the right ways. We're not in charge. We have no authority. In fact, even when we're making an assessment and judgment about each other's behaviors and helping each other grow spiritually, we're holding each other up to this word of God. And that way I'm still not judging your behavior, am I? You're still not judging my behavior. We're simply expressing what God has already said about our behavior. And it still puts God in the place of judgment, doesn't it? Which is right, proper. And it takes us away from any responsibility of saying what's right and wrong. We're just repeating what Jesus is teaching us. Right? And, and especially when it's obvious. You're, you're, so let's say you're with a brother or sister in Christ, and, and it's obvious that whatever the behavior is, it's, we, it's, it's like one of those everybody knows it's a sin kind of behaviors, and you just kind of look at each other and like, come on, man, really? You know better than that. It's not who we are, right? You're not condemning. You're, snatch, you're snatching someone from the fire spiritually. You're saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not the right witness. That's not who we are. It's not what we do. For the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the witness, and for the sake of that person's spiritual health. So here's his example. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Jesus is purposely being exagger uh, he's exaggerating this illustration almost to a point of uh, being funny about it, humorous. Because everybody's like, well, who would do that? Right? Can you imagine a stick coming out of somebody's eye? And they're walking around telling you what's in your eye. How about, how about any of you who's ever had like, uh, uh, like LASIK surgery or some kind of surgery on your eye? Don't you want that doctor to have good vision and steady hands? Like, how are you feeling today, doc? <laughs> you awake? You got all the sleep out of your eyes? You good to go? Because you don't want him be anything obstructing when he's sticking stuff in your eyeballs. Same thing on a spiritual level. How, how, are, how am I going to come and help you get back on the path that Jesus died for us to be on if I'm not even on the path myself? Hello? If I'm not even on the path myself, how can I say to you, you're going the wrong way? Come back over. I can't say come back if I'm not even there. I can say, let's try to go back together. I can, maybe I can do that, but I can't say you're, you're getting off the path. You need to come back and go this way. You ever been on a hiking trip when seven people know which way to go and there's only six ways to go and it's like everybody's going a different direction? Or maybe not even a hiking trip. You'd be on a car trip. I think we need to take this exit. No, let's take that exit. The whole time the GPS is telling you which exit to take. And somebody gets tired of hearing it and they shut it off. That's like, that's like closing the Bible. Well, let's, we want to argue about what's the right thing to do, but we don't want to look in the Bible. We don't want to look at what God's already said. So, okay, so he says, let me, make this, uh, let me take this speck out of your eye. Then all the time there's a plank in your eye. He says, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Let me, put this, let me, let me apply this to the church as a whole, the body of Christ. Right? And I pray that this congregation of believers would strive to be different. Strive not to be guilty of what he's talking about. The church as a whole, 
when the church, the body of Christ, goes into the world and starts condemning the world because they're in sin, we're guilty. God said to go into the world and love people and love him. That's what we're trying to do here, isn't it? That's what we're asking God to help us be good at. Whichever way he wants us to do it. He didn't say go out in the world and point out what's wrong with everybody. He didn't say go out in the world and start rapid fire scripture against every sin you see. We're not the sin police. We're not. That's He's like, look, you guys work on self. Church, you guys stay healthy. Get close to me. Repent and go and go out and love people because I loved you. He didn't say love people unless they're in sin. He didn't say love people unless they're in this activity or that activity or they're like you. He said, go and love people, period. And the only way to truly make disciples is to love people that are doing things that you don't like. That you would never do. That you think are the most horrible, most offensive thing in the world. Because the Bible says don't do it. The Bible says some of those sins are an abomination to God. But God says go love people. And if we can't love those people, then we're guilty, aren't we? Because we're hypocrites. Because, let me tell you, any sin, anything that offends God that you cannot repent of will stand in the way of your salvation. And you're trying to do eye surgery on someone else and your eyes bleeding out. See, you, see what, you see what Jesus is talking about? Why did he have to get so dramatic? Why did he have to say such a, a crazy illustration? Because it's so important. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to miss this. And there's, there, are some, there are some extreme, uh, I would, they call themselves Christian churches, and they don't do anything but protest and hate. I don't, that's not us. I know that. But they still give us a bad name, don't they? Because the world don't see the difference. The world sees, okay, these people are calling themselves Christians too. And all they're doing is stay, saying that I'm going to hell. We don't have to tell people they're going to hell. We just have to love people, don't we? I'm not saying if there's not an opportunity and the discussion don't come up, you can, say, you can talk about hell. But there's, there's no point in finger poking people and saying you're going to hell if you don't stop. Because you can look in the mirror and say the same thing to yourself, couldn't you? Then he says this in verse 6. This, then he gets all weird on us. He says, don't give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. It, it's another saying in back in the day of this teaching that the people were using. And Jesus was just saying what they already said. They would say this in an effort to protect the holiness of the body of Christ and the communion time. When they were sharing communion like we just did, they were, they were saying, this is for the believers. This holy moment is for those who believe and who have committed themselves to Christ. Because there were plenty of people in the world then who would try to infiltrate, right, and try to change the gospel and make it what it's not. So they had to protect themselves from things that weren't holy and weren't of God. It wasn't that they were excluding, they were being uh, exclusive or, 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 or it was limited membership. It was just that, okay, if, here's who we are. Here's the gospel. If you believe, then come and fellowship with us and come and join with us in these holy moments. 
But if you're not a believer and you don't care about God and you don't care about your salvation, then okay, that's fine. But this is, for, this is a holy moment. We have to protect it. Right? So when it comes to making disciples and going into the world and loving God and loving people, I'm not, my words, no amount of preaching and no amount of Bible quoting, memorizing, nothing I say is going to change the mind of someone who is dead set against God. Someone who is absolutely set in their mind to reject God, in fact, on the aggressive to attack God. I will talk to anybody in this world who wants to talk about our God, who wants to talk about our Savior. Anybody. But the moment I figure out that all they're trying to do is attack, they're not open-minded enough to consider and have a real conversation about the reality of our God and the salvation that Jesus provides for us. I, fi- I know that I'm wasting my time. Does that mean that Jesus doesn't want us to preach the gospel to everybody and share the gospel with everybody? No, it just means that Jesus wants us to discern, make a judgment about uh, how we're doing that. Right? I'm going to read you this, and I'll finish up with this. This is part of uh, a commentary. Cecil... Northcott, in a modern epiphany, that's a, a paper that was written by Cecil Northcott, tells, a, tells of a discussion in a camp of young people where representatives of many nations were living together. One wet night, the campers were discussing various ways of telling people about Christ. They turned to the girl from Africa, Maria, I don't know if that's how she pronounces her name or not, but that's what it's spelled. They, that, her name was Maria, and they asked her, what do you do in your country? Oh, we don't, we don't have uh, missions or give pamphlets away. We just send one or two Christian families to live and work in the village, and when the people see what Christians are like, then they want to become, become Christians too. In the end, the only, uh, the only all-conquering argument is the argument of the Christian life. I read this to you because I want you to understand that Jesus is saying if you just live in Christ and go into the world, you will automatically love people and love God. People will see more of God by the way that you live than by the things that you say. Does it mean you can't talk about Christ? No, you're supposed to talk about Christ all the time, every opportunity. But we, we, how we do that and when we do that makes all the difference in the world. If we, come, if we come out swinging, we will surely fail in making disciples. But if we come out with our arms wide open and love people the way God loves people, if we, if we could just ask God to help us see the world, see every person in our life the way He sees people, we would do good, wouldn't we? If we could get past our own judgments, our own opinions, and get to what God sees, what God loves, we would do good and be able to love people the way God would want us to love people. This last paragraph says, It is often impossible to talk to someone about Jesus Christ. Their insensitiveness, their moral blindness, their intellectual 
hide their cynical mockery, the, tarnished, the tarnishing film make them impervious to words about Christ. But it is always possible to show men Christ, and the weakness of the church lies not in lack of Christian arguments, but in lack of Christian lives. Basically, what he's trying to say is when the church fails, and we do at times, when the church fails, it's because we're not living the way Christ died for us to live. When we fail, it's because we've taken the place of God or we've come off the path ourselves. God didn't say to go out and condemn. He said to go out and love. Isn't that great? I'm just going to let you know. And I hope you already know this, but I'm just going to let you know. God loves you. Right? He doesn't love you any more than the person sitting next to you or any other person in this world. God loves you. He loved you before you knew you. He loves you no matter what things you've done to offend Him. He loves you even when you don't want to admit that you've offended Him. Right? Isn't that great? We love to say amen about that. When we go in this world and when we come in this church and we see other people, we need to know that God loves people just the same. Just the same as he loves me. And if that's the case, then who am I to not love? Who am I to stand in judgment against anybody? Make sense? Because we'll never love somebody the way God wants us to as long as we have condemnation in our hearts over those people. All right? It's hard. It's hard. It is hard. Sometimes you look at yourself in the mirror and you just start judging yourself. And if you're saved, especially if you're saved, you don't even have the right to do that. Hello? If you're saved by the blood of Christ, you belong to God. And now, now you're His. And you don't have the right to even condemn yourself. Isn't that great? So I hope we can leave here encouraged. Right? And I hope we can leave here with a uh, reminder and some strength for Thanksgiving when we sit down around the table and maybe we'll last all day long and blast that 3.5 hours out of the water because we're loving our family and our friends and our neighbors in a way that totally eliminates any kind of judgment whatsoever because that's really what causes the conflict, isn't it? And it's, and it's easy when we're because they're always going to be our family and they can't not be our family. So it's easier to hurt our family than it is strangers. Y'all ready to sing? If you don't know Jesus, if you've never experienced the grace of God, the, the Bible tells us just repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins because God, he, he's ready to forgive all that. His judgment's already been made for sin. Paid for is what the judgment is. Just repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You ready? If you have a decision to make, let's come forward. Let's stand together.